everyone. I'm Jackie Newsom. I am one half of the Under God podcast. Um, I'm Isaiah Lewis. I'm the second half of that one. I'm CG, and I'm one half of the Holy as Hell podcast. What up, saints and ain'ts? My name is DJ, and I am the other half of the Holy as Hell podcast. Hell yeah. And this is our crossover episode that you are now listening to. Oop, oop, crossover. Yep, yeah, church friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is a common thread here. We all went to seminary together. So this is something positive that came out of my Candler School of Theology experience. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so a little bit how this came together, y'all. You know, we, one, so I didn't even know Jackie and Isaiah had a podcast. We, me and uh, CG found out because we were, in uh dr sarah's office at emory and she said oh yeah y'all should uh listen to this other podcast started by two alum and we were like oh wow who are those and they were like she was like oh there's jackie and isaiah and oh, i listened to it and fell in love if you haven't listened to other guy it's like it's good like if you want to learn the bible for real <laughs> them mofos know the word of god you heard what i'm saying like they know it they can tell you how to apply to your actual life. They're they can not- tell you about them. They can tell you about them. So shout out to the homies Isaiah and Jackie for making it happen, you know? Well, thank y'all. Uh, we found out about the Holy as Hell podcast, not, also not by personal contact, but through social media. I, uh, <laughs> we liked it and started following it. And I remember listening to it and immediately sending it to Isaiah and saying, listen to this ratchetry um, in the name <laughs> of Jesus. We have to listen. In the, a ratchet read in the name of the Lord. <laughs> we must listen. And we did. And we fell in love. So if you have not listen to or if you're not caught up with the Holy Cell podcast please make sure you have yourself together and um, in a time like this where in many ways we are looking for something to fill ourselves with joy laughter and interesting factoids that would be a great place to start (laughs) absolutely it's real good All right, so Saints um, we're gonna jump into hood uh, liberation Bible stories um, this is a story I'm, I'm sure common all of you know, have heard of, um, you know, if you ever, you know, in the church, you, you've probably heard of this sermon in numerous of ways. Um, but we're going to jump, we're going to actually jump over to the New Testament, <laughs> uh, over up in John 11. Um, and if, you know, if you have your Bible, you can open them. If you don't, you know, that's on you. Um, and yeah, John 11. And this basically, this is called the death of Lazarus. So basically, you know, we had a homie named Lazarus. Uh, He was sick. Um, Doctors was like, he might have Corona. He might not. Like folks did not know what was going on. And actually, uh, Lazarus uh, was um, Mary's brother. Now, if you don't know who Mary is, I can't help you. You need to read your Bible. But basically, Lazarus was sick. And so his sisters, Mary and Martha, was like, yo, Jesus, um, 
like your uncle said, you need to come handle this. Like, what's up? Like, do you love him or not? And Jesus was like, um, that's my homie. He ain't finna get sick. He not finna die. Um, so it's for God's glory. So I'm gonna do it. So, I'm, so now Jesus, you know, loved Martha. He loved Mary. So boom. So he heard Lazarus sick. So he was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna go ahead and stay and whatever and do the stuff. What happened? Um, but then they were like, Jesus, like, you gonna stay here? Like the mofos just tried to stone you like two days ago. Like you need to get out of town. Jesus was like, I, one, I ain't no punk. And two, God ain't no punk. So tuh, bring him on basically. Um, so he went and got his homies, the disciples, and they was like, this is what we gonna do. Isaiah, feel free to jump in. I'm just, I don't know. I'm like just listening to you. Oh my god, I'm not that good. So anyway, oh, if I'm doing a good job, if Isaiah says that, then I appreciate that. Um, so basically, he went on, um, and actually, Lazarus actually died. So Jesus was like, "Man, all the people, all the people was pissed." Um, when they showed up to the funeral, like there were some family members who didn't get along. They started fighting. Like it was just the community was not in a good place when Lazarus died. Um, and so actually, um, they told Jesus and Jesus was like, nah, my homie not dead. He just sleep. And so he went to the house. Well, you know, Jesus hears, hears the news that uh, Lazarus is super sick, but he's going to take his time about getting there. And people are like, you know, like, don't you think, uh, don't you think you should hurry up? And Jesus is like, uh, they're 12 hours in a day. So like you figured out, I'm going to take my time. Uh, but then it turns out that when he uh, takes his time, Lazarus just like dies. So he gets there, he finds out Lazarus is super dead and uh is is really upset about it he's like i don't know surprised it's like the shortest the shortest verse in the entire bible is um just jesus wept because he actually you know he he loves his friend and he kind of messed up like and kind of let him die by not walking faster um so when uh martha sees him on the road he's like she's like if you had if you got here sooner then you wouldn't have died and i'm kind of mad about it but I'll, i know that now that you're here you'll i'll do whatever you ask me to do because like you know maybe it'll help uh jesus says okay great uh your your brother's gonna live and martha's like yeah i mean he'll rise again when everybody does at the end of time that's not a surprise and that's sort of not cool of you to even suggest that like i don't know that but whatever i guess you're in charge and jesus is like no that's not what i mean i mean that he's gonna be like resurrected from the dead like now um because he believed in me and so do you do you believe this and martha's like sure absolutely um more specifically she says i believe that you are the christ god's son the one who is coming into the world so she makes her profession and then uh she goes to talk to mary and is like just go do whatever he says and then uh 
they go get him. They assume that um, the, there's a whole bunch of people at this point. It's sort of like a, almost spectators of this whole situation. And then uh, Mary falls down at her at Jesus's feet, says, again, like, where had you been? You, like, he wouldn't have died if you hadn't, if you'd showed up on time. And so then he's like, okay, well, where'd you put him then? And they were like, all right, well, we'll take you to him. And then uh, the crowd, all the people around him are like, Matt, man, he must have really loved this guy. This is kind of a big deal that he's carrying on like this. And some other other people were like, okay, but like, he should have been able to do something about it. Like he did all these miracles. If this guy was really his friend, then he wouldn't have, uh, he wouldn't have let him die. So Jesus gets really upset about this. Uh, it's interesting because he's very kind of emotional in this whole thing. Um, more emotional than I feel like he usually is. Um, and goes to, the, goes to the cave and says, take the stone away. And Martha's like, okay, but it's going to smell real bad, though, because it's been four days. And remember how he was dead that entire time, like in a hole in a rock like it's gonna smell like corpse in a rock uh are you sure you're into into that and jesus is like didn't i tell you that you gotta believe in me um this is how you see god's glory and so they're like okay fine uh jesus they pull away the stone uh jesus does this sort of like public prayer thing is like you know, thanks for hearing me, God, but you always hear me, but I'm just kind of saying this to break the fourth wall and make sure that everybody else is paying attention about what I'm about to do. And then uh, he says in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And then uh, Lazarus does. And he's sort of maybe a zombie at this point because it says the dead man came out. It doesn't say like Lazarus came back to life and then came out. So he's still dead, but he's moving and he's wrapped up. Um, and he just crawls out of the tomb as like zombie Lazarus. And then Jesus says, untie him and let him go. So they do. And presumably somewhere in that process, Lazarus um, becomes alive and not just ambulatory. Um, and then everybody kind of freaks out. And um, then the Pharisees decide that because Jesus had brought somebody back to life that was a really good reason to try to murder him the end i don't like this story why is that because well i I don't like the story but um i get at least growing up when whenever this was preached it was always about how um people or when people were like um, dealing with grief, how people would use this passage as like, a, oh, you know, um, oh, God's gonna take care of it, and and I just I always wrestle with the fact of how Jesus kind of, and you know, that there, there's a few passages where Jesus was a was a, you know, was an a hole, <laughs> or, or he says he says he says some asshole type stuff. And this was always one where people, you know, when people are going through grief, especially in times like right now, and people are saying like crazy stuff like, oh, you know, like it's God's plan or, 
you know, they've moved on and stuff. So I just always kind of wrestle with like how this passage like addresses grief or doesn't address how to deal with grief. Cause I've heard it, I've heard people use this as a, um, what do you call it? I justification for like why they say what they say when somebody like passes or dies um, and stuff. So I've, I, I always wrestle with that when I read this one. Yeah, I also, I think about healing stories too. Like this um, one scene from Greenleaf comes to mind where Grace goes to the hospital with her dad and the woman is like, I forget if she was praying for healing for her son or something. And the doctors were like, no, like let that boy go. And so she's in this position and has to make a decision about how does she minister to this woman properly. And it it's so hard because there's so much hope in this story, but there's also the flip side of it, of Jesus just showing up late. Mm. Um, and we know this isn't the first time that Jesus has been an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Happens. A few times in the text where Jesus will say something and do something and the person responding to him has to be like, wait, what, 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 what are you saying? I thought you were this person. I thought you could do this or I know that you can do this. So why are you not showing up for me? And I think I feel a sense of that right now. I think logging on Facebook because that's where everybody puts everything. I've read like several people's comments about I don't know what it means to trust God right now. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. And on on the on the flip today, CG, I've heard several comments it's like, this is God telling everybody to sit down and chill out. And I was like, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, or, you know, um, I'm not scared because I'm going, no, I'm going to heaven. Are you? And I was like, all right, here we go. It's the right time to get right with God. I can't wait for the next season of Greenleaf. I can't wait for how Greenleaf incorporates Corona. I just can't wait. But yeah, that's, that's what my biggest thing. But I, but I, I always did was like, want to know more about like Lazarus like um because I think isn't this the only well the well the first time we see Jesus weep is this the first time I don't know it's definitely the most famous time right yeah I mean it's there are other times where it said like basically like his like he was so empathetic that his like he his he felt his guts churn so like he has emotional reactions but i don't think i don't think i remember another time where he was like crying because of like i think i think it's supposed to be like like they were close you know yeah mm-hmm. but so you still wonder like okay so why couldn't you have hurried up like why <clears throat> Yeah, like, why not move urgency? Yeah. So the Hermeneia says, I'm going to read this just excerpt. 
Um, according to verse 17, Lazarus must have died shortly after the message reached Jesus. That must mean even if Jesus had started out at once on the journey of more than 30 kilometers, he would not have arrived in time. That doesn't explain the wait, but regardless, he was going to be late. Right. So I, I don't know. I hope that helps him a little bit. I think to your point, or to everyone's point about being a little concerned about this text, I also feel feel very worried about how this text can be abused or interpreted in a way that just gives a hope that is soul crushing, right? Because I've, I've heard a lot of my clients, especially clients that I've worked with who have been charged with murder, say things like, why couldn't God bring him back like Lazarus? Why couldn't God, like, why did, why did so-and-so have to die? Because if they hadn't died, I wouldn't be in this position. I didn't mean to do X, Y, and Z. It's a both end. I think so often we're led to trying to answer really tough questions mm-hmm. with really simple answers. And I think this is especially what the text brings up. When you talk about life, what type of life are we talking about? Because what it, what would have happened if Lazarus died, but his soul lived on, or whatever Christian people say? How then will we read this text? Like if Jesus came just to be like a like a grief counselor, like is that what you mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot neater. I I think it's a lot. It it gives even more teeth to like God is with you and mourning right and God feels pain too and like it makes that narrative a lot more neat and it and it makes it a little bit more okay for like us to feel disappointed in death right because I feel like there's a rush too and I think we saw this and I remember you all um CG and DJ talking about this when Kobe Bryant died and I think it's the case now with people dying from COVID-19 and or all of these just like celebrities dying like Bill Withers died today and it's like I don't what I don't have time for is for the hits to be just like coming right or Reverend Joseph Flowery like what we don't have time for is this right now where people can't bury their family members in the way that they would have wanted to and people can't gather and people can't mourn in the way they would have wanted to. And so I think a, this text without the resurrection really gives more permission for grief and for feeling sad and for being angry. Because without the resurrection, what we have are two sisters, right? Coming for Jesus's neck, Jesus crying and, and sort of just taking the hits and being like, yep, I'm present here too. And this is absolute trash. Jack, I think that's it. Like, point blank period because I'm um yeah it's just huh and uh me and uh me and since you kind of talked about this a while ago but the difference in like types of grief like so you have like um so like a lot of people are grieving a lot of different things right now like people are grieving the loss of their jobs or they're grieving the loss of being around other people or they're actually grieving like people who have passed or they're grieving like being trapped in the house all day and not being like, you know, so people are grieving a whole bunch of different things. And on top of that, we all grieve differently. So like, you know, 
I'm an extrovert. So like I miss being around people. So that's so, so, but you know, Chauncey's not, Chauncey's in her bag. Like Chauncey's like, oh cool. I get to be in my house all day, like bet. So, but it's other ways in which you grieving. So I, I think also like understanding the different ways that people um, like grieve and don't grieve or it shows up and that we, um, that society's also grieving. Like society is like, economically is about to be, you know, have about the, I think somebody just wrote about that talking about economic grief and like, what does that look like for poor people and homeless people um, who were relying on like, you know, different agencies to like, so I just, I'm just, um, Um, I'm just wondering about all that. You know what I'm saying? Like how, and like how, and like how do we allow, how do we make space for like people to grieve in different ways? And um, how are we honoring like each other's grief? Like even if we don't understand it, or even if that's not like our our personal way of dealing with something, how are we still like, I hear you, I see you. You know what I'm saying? And that's what this kind of makes me think about again, because 2020's been a shit show. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I mean, literally, 2020 came in with brass knuckles on. <laughs> Remember, we were in January, like 2020, my year, 2020, it's on me in my bag. <laughs> and God was like, what bag? <laughs> so I mean, like, damn, I'm like, God, when is 2020 going to let up? You know what I'm saying? God ain't say that. Capitalism said... I've been, I've been, I think I'm doing well. <laughs> and, and Germ said, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Get out your sparkly hand sanitizer if you want to. <laughs> the Bed Bath and Beyond uh, hand sanitizer. Who, child? But I, I don't know. Like, I want to. I, I mean, I think you're you're totally right that this gets preached in a way that like can lead us to a lot of false hope really easily, um, or at least like, especially when you know we're desperate when we're grieving and want something to hold on to. But like, I don't know. At the same time, like, like Jesus grieves and brings Lazarus back to life. Like, there's. Like, it's not that he doesn't think it's a big deal, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think it's interesting that the thing in John's gospel that's different from the other ones um, is that, like, this is the moment where um, the Pharisees decide that they, that this, this is when they, start plotting to kill jesus is after jesus brings somebody back to life you know so it's like the thing that people the thing that power is most afraid of is people being alive and uh -oh. like like systems want you to stay dead like you know on the one hand sure like the germs like are pointing out right like COVID-19 points out all the things it's it's a it's apocalyptic in the sense that it's a revelation it points out what is already there it reveals that capitalism is a lie that you know that we're all super vulnerable that that you can't 
hoard enough to like you can't hoard enough to protect yourself to be safe that's not a thing that like the this isn't working for nearly anybody actually um and that that's a revelation but like at the same time like a situation like this makes it really easy for like the powers to continue to accumulate power because that because 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 death is what's on our mind and so you can use that right if you have power you can use that and shore up even more of it in ways that people might not even see until later and that's part of what what makes it scary but like i feel like what jesus does is it's not like like it matters that it's a personal thing right that it's like he takes his time he has a relationship with this guy right and he brings this guy back to life um but also it's 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 bigger than that in the sense that it's like it's about Lazarus and also the thing that the authorities are afraid of is like that they can't contain his ability to do that I don't know if that's making any sense but like the thing that the thing that the authorities are most afraid of is the re- the resistance that is to continue life to continue living in spite of it right i was on a call earlier today and like i keep telling people that i'm both annoyed and intrigued by higher education and what we are doing right now so i get that schools want to keep their accreditation they want students to say that they attended their classes through x date they want um faculty to continue teaching because everybody all of a sudden now knows how to do zoom but at the same time we've tried to pick up life and just continue in the same way that we were before all this happened and it's crazy to me that we keep trying to make things go back to normal. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, I think the more we resist that normalcy, especially as it relates to caring for one another and giving life to people who feel like they're dying right now, that there has to be some shift in power where we start to tell systems that have been running our lives forever, no, we we can't do that like that anymore. If we can't die on behalf of systems. Yeah, yeah. We have to live, we have to live. So I feel like the answers, answers, air quotes, the dialogue that we're having is is pointing to symbolism and is that some sort of everyone everyone who is participating in this conversation is squarely and objectively a millennial we don't we don't have any cuspers on here we don't have no question marks on here everybody on here is a millennial is this is this a millennial reading of the text is this i mean because i'm trying to think of 
older folks who are like, no, no, the promises, right? I, I will be healed from illness and I can be raised and I can write and I can recover. And I think about people who are talking about like, yeah, I flatlined in the hospital. You know, I died three times, but I came back to life. I've, I've heard of, um, especially older folks who have had uh, struggles with drug abuse and addiction who are like, yeah, but I overdosed this many times, but I came back. And I guess I like, I am completely in love with, we, we are, we are not to, we are not to die for empire and we are not going to die for empire. And God represents, uh, God, God represents God is sort God of God. Jesus stands in the gap between us and empire and sort of this is an example of, of Jesus shutting that down. And that really, really makes the authorities mad. And that's the last straw, right? Because helping individual people, maybe for maybe a little bit here, a little bit there is one thing, but to like make this big statement about death and about that finality, whether, you know, in a, this symbolic way, oh, too much. I get that. But like, is that enough? Is that enough analysis for... And I know, right, when you think about marketing, it's like, well, who's your target audience and blah, blah, blah. But like, right, is that is that enough analysis? Like, because what we're saying is like, this is all symbolism, but what about the people who need that to be real? I don't right? think what it's about- all, I don't think it's all just symbolism, though. I really don't. Because if it were just symbolism, he would have written a story for him. Like, I mean, it feels like it's a it's a very real physical thing. You bring somebody back to to life. So then why isn't it happening now? I mean, you just I can't, told, I can't not ask that question. You know what I mean? You just told three, like, like you just, I mean, you just said like in, in people's testimonies that like it does happen all the time. Like it doesn't happen every time. And that feels like the, the, the thing that, that we're stuck on is That's like, why, it. why doesn't it happen every time? It does happen That's some it. of the time. Yeah. That's it. That's helpful. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm with that. That's it. Okay. Like back to my question earlier, what would happen if the story then didn't end this way? I wonder, going back to it being included in John, but nowhere else, maybe, maybe stories are written because people need to hear them. People need to read them and need to have a hope of some sort. But if we also just zoomed in on verses 28 through 37, where Jesus is weeping, that in itself is its own story too. I think it, while we may focus on one part of the text more than the other, Jesus weeping with me is sometimes all that I need. This man didn't come back to life. I lost this person. But Jesus knows that. All I'm going to say is y'all the real theologians. But I, but I think we are. I think, man, and I wonder about this all the time, too, because uh, are we, when I think about... There's been a lot of conversation recently about, um, you know, the different age groups. So, you know, you got Gen Z and you got millennials and you got, I don't know who's after, who's before millennials? 
Uh, Gen X. Gen X. And then the baby boomers. Yeah. Um, talking about, um, you know, with this whole virus about how like the different groups have been handling it. And it seems like everybody's trying to shift by point blame, like, oh, it's Gen Z's fault, or no, it's the baby boomers' fault, or, and it just seems real divisive. And we've even brought that divisiveness into like, it feels like maybe into, and we I brought up some of that into um, reading the Bible. I do think, I do think um, we are reading it from a very millennial point of view, because um, I don't think we ask some of the same questions that our elders ask. Um, like when I talked to him, when, when I talked to my one of my older pastors about the Bible, you know, he's he's a he is what we would identify as an evangelical, even though he's black. Um, and he's a, he, he's a he's a very fundamentalist in every way that in every way that matters. Um, and so I I don't know I don't know if it was because I because I went to seminary that I read it different. I don't know. I think I think that's I think that's a good question of Jack in the Box. I'm doing this thing where I call people by their Instagram names. Um, Isaiah, you don't follow me on Instagram, though. So. It's because I basically don't have an Instagram. Why not? Because I don't know what to do with it. I don't... You post pictures of yourself and you stun on your friends. Right. I don't, I don't want to, though. <laughs> that's the right answer. But that's why you need one. Because we need people who are, like, using Instagram for the right reasons. Okay, so the generations Gen Z, they're under us. We're Gen Y or millennials, Gen X, baby boomers, and then the silent generation. And I saw a really and then the silent great, generation, silent generation, and then the who greatest is, generation. Who is that? I, I saw really good pictures. I'm probably not gonna be able to pull it up, but maybe someone else can try. It was with like black people, and it was like Cicely Tyson. At the beginning of one, gen- you know what I mean? Like it gave the line of like who was who in like famous black people, and it was a great like. I need that. It was Pronto. great. This, it, like the visual that. display of who is who was like excellent. I need you to find that Pronto. It was great. It was great. Um, okay, I'll keep looking for it. But I think, I think to the to another point that I think it was CG brought up about all of the things in this text. So we picked a really long passage of scripture, and so. There, there's a lot happening here that I think we could focus on even beyond the, the central point, if you will, which is the resurrection of Lazarus. And I think as uh, DJ was reciting his portion of the text and talking about um, the threat against Jesus, to me, it's interesting that Jesus, that, that the disciples were like, you really want to go back here? They're trying to kill you. And Jesus was like, essentially, yes. And then I, I read, it's either in a commentary that I read or somewhere that the disciples were kind of like, okay, let's go with Jesus and um, watch him die. You know, and it's like, like the, 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 the act of solidarity, there may have been a lack of faith there on the part of the disciples, but they were proud of their solidarity, right? And they were proud of sort of continuing to follow even if following was going to lead to to some level of doom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I, I just thought that was an interesting nugget that I wanted to pull out of the text because I, I appreciated the point that there's a lot more in this text than just the Lazarus portion. Yeah, that's that's deep. That's 
real deep. I know we're doing a check-in, but do we want to talk about the, the pastors that are keeping their doors open? Want to oh, yeah. For reasons not Isaiah's reasons. <laughs> but yeah, that's how, so we can tie that in. So for pastors who are keeping their doors open. Is this the, the sermon notes section? Yeah. Ish? Yeah. <laughs> You want to play it? You want to play a portion of it? Uh-huh. I'll try to find that one line in particular. But... That clip stressed me out, though. Clip she's about to play. Is this the one you put in the group? Mm-hmm. This one. Pastor TDS Ministries. The subtitle is The Pastor's Heart, A Why Are Churches Meeting? Mind you, in most of her videos, it looks like she has the whole virtual audience thing figured out. Like she has a really good recording system going. She has a nice background. She looks like she's been on camera. Like she's used to this type of life. Hi guys. Okay, pastor's memoirs. Um, everyone is tripping out about the pastors that have decided to keep their churches open and meeting. And as a pastor, my church is open. I know. I know. You're not going to want to hear this. You're not going to like it. Socially, you already think that I am doing a social injustice. But hear me out. Um, our church was studying the book of Revelation before the coronavirus hit. And in that study, we were looking at Daniel. Okay, for prophecy reasons. All right. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den by King Darius in Daniel chapter six. Now, contrary to what most of you think, Daniel was not thrown in the lion's den because he refused to worship another God. He was thrown in the lion's den, the Bible says, because he continued to serve God the way he always did. See, the, the plot was set that Daniel would always pray and he wouldn't adjust that. Okay, and so the leader that didn't like him tried to get him thrown away into the lion's den to destroy him. So they convinced the, the, the king, Darius, that, they, that he should be celebrated for 30 days and that no one should petition any other god but the king for 30 days, just four weeks. Uh, Daniel knew the plot. And he said, okay. So the king signed it. Daniel went right home, opened his windows, and prayed three times a day as he's always done. Right. Now, Daniel could have prayed quietly in his heart and the Lord would have heard him, but he didn't. No, Daniel could have shut his windows and prayed in the quiet seat, privacy of his own home, but he didn't. Daniel continued to do everything that he's always done in worshiping his God. And that's why the doors of my church are open, because I feel personally that if we've always met, we'll continue to meet. That's what we're here to do. And yes, I could pray quietly. And yes, the church is in your heart. But um, Jesus says, gather. He says, assemble. The word of God says, don't forsake the assembling of the brethren. Uh, other verses tell you that you should continue to assemble, especially when you see that the day, the Lord's day, is drawing near. All the more so, you should assemble and gather. Uh, now, if you want to convince me and tell me that the New Testament didn't do that, you can't. Okay, pastor, that's the Old Testament scripture. Mm, 
but the New Testament apostles, the ones that our entire faith is built off of and from, met under the threat of death. And to me, it doesn't matter if it's terroristic threats like the Charleston Nine, God bless their families, or if it's biological threat. If anyone threatens how we serve and worship our God, the church collectively should stand. Now, New Testament apostles, I'm sure they were meeting and some people just didn't show up. I know we're going to meet over here in Jacoahim's basement, okay? And everybody hushed because the soldiers could come. And I'm sure there were some church members that was like, yeah, I'm not really down for dying today. And they just didn't show up. But the apostles met nevertheless, and the church continued to grow and move forward. My job and my responsibility as a pastor is not to keep you alive. Now, some of these churches need to close your doors because you haven't taught anything about the Bible other than how your members could be healthy, wealthy, and successful. So no, you need to shut down because they don't have anything to stand on. But to those churches that have been teaching the gospel of Christ, that faith is not just some tool to get something you want, but it's faithfulness, it's a relationship with the Father, then those churches are prepared to have doors open. I'm going to stop it right there for your hearing. I wanted you to stop it a long time ago. (laughs) Also, y'all's faces. Hilarious. (laughs) It's not my job to keep them alive. Where they do that at? There's so many things wrong. There's, and I just, we didn't, we didn't get to my check-in, but I will briefly, because that's probably where the root of my attitude is coming from, because I'm in a situation where as an advocate, it looks like the the place that I work, the 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 county is not behaving in a way that reflects a care for humanity. Mm-hmm. And so they are keeping folks in cages. Not it doesn't look like they're gonna go forward with any sort of aggressive early releases, even for people who are sitting in jail pretrial. AKA without being convicted of anything, they're going to let folks die in jail. Um, so I'm like, I'm hot, right? Like I jumped on here already with an attitude. But so I just feel like my level of tolerance was already low. And then we listen to this foolishness. So let me tell you, let me tell you, let me, let me. I feel like what we just listened to was a fundamental misunderstanding, and and that's me being generous, about the source of this virus and what a virus is and what it means, and making this false and accurate comparison between religious persecution and this virus. And I think what this woman of God believes is that there was something sort of created, like I think she thinks this was like a human created virus or something like that, and like this is some sort of like intentional biological like warfare situation and so that's a fundamental belief that I'm probably not going to be able to undo right and it is and it is not what I believe about this virus so that so that's what's leading her astray number one number two we have some bad theology and I'm so happy that she talked about the distinction between the new testament and the old testament because if we were doing some proper research Um, and word study in the Old Testament, because she refers to the Hebrew text that talks about don't forsake the assembly, what we would know, Hebrews 10, 
what we would know each is that in the original um hebrew translation this the the, the author is not talking about literally meeting in a temple or what we now understand to be a church and that being the necessary call what the author is talking about is the importance of a community who was in the minority group staying together right that's that's what is being discussed when there's this conversation about not forsaking the gathering it's about the the language and the actual translation is more about the community right and being supportive of one another so that they can sustain during this difficult time so the idea that we would risk our bodily safety right, in the name of physically being together is counter to what the author was trying to get at in Hebrews. But I don't pass to nobody, so I'm going to be quiet. A read. A read. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted that she got her dusty self on the internet to, to misquote scripture um from whatever where what whatever whatever she was trying to do um yeah yeah i I instantly was pissed from her tone her tone was one her tone was condescending like two if she had even opened one book like first of all under the first pandemic churches mandated this is like this has been a conversation that's been going on for for centuries ever since europeans came to America, brought swine, brought Spanish flu and yellow fever and influenza and all the different things that they had in Europe. So this has been a common theme about closing the assembly, having worship or not. And there's been plenty of pastors who've like, we're gonna wait. <laughs> you can and worship at home and then we'll regather. But yeah. I, I don't even know where to start. I'm just completely irritated. I don't know. Yeah. And that's uh, I'll follow Jackie's lead. That's a little bit of where I am too. I'm a little I'm I'm tired of the bad theology that's been coming out of this time period of of this this crisis. Somebody called it uh, uh, Rona religion. So people are the belief about the apocalypse and oh, this is the end of days, and the fact that the world came to a crash and halt because of something that's microscopic. That slowed everybody down, um, and yeah, it's just, it's it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Um, people who are and who are so so quick to have sorry about a pastor. I think it was in Florida who was having who was holding. He was it was a it was at a mega church though, but he was holding services. Um, he said because God told him to, um, and if we truth be told, it's probably because of the offering. Let's let I mean let's just call it out. Like churches have like churches got bills they gotta pay, right? Like churches have mortgages, churches have lights, churches have payroll. Payroll's the largest um point of a of a budget for most organizations, just them paying their employees salary. So let's call it out. But I but I mean I'm just but I'm don't don't come under the guise of like scripture and uh religiosity trying to tell people especially our seniors who are going to be most impacted like yo y'all need to be at church um because of because so you don't show that you're a punk christian like that's whack that's whack that's wrong that's not cool you can catch these hands for that because you literally put my folks my elders at risk 
because my because it's my church mothers that are going to be the ones that be like, well, my pastor said it's cool to come to church, so I'm gonna go. Well, my, my pastor said because they what they pastor say is gospel. They don't they trust that. I know that, but my own if my own grandmother, if the pastor says it, she's gonna go. She's gonna go do it. She's gonna serve in that way. She literally was out. I had I literally wanted to cuss her out. She was literally out delivering lunches and stuff for the kids in St. Louis. And I said, Grandma, I literally was like, Grandma, get your ass in the house. Because that's where you're supposed to be. But it's hard. And, and, I, and I fully believe, I fully believe that if the tables were turned and this, this um, the coronavirus, COVID virus was, 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 was targeting and specifically more harmful to younger people, our elders would be doing everything possibly could to keep us safe. I believe they will absolutely be doing everything they could to keep us safe. And the 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 lack of respect that we put their lives for, for our own self desires, is disgusting. And I hate it. And I despise it. And I'll stop there because I could go on. I hate it. She she was dusty. Well, she also received her master's degree in theological studies from Liberty University. You know, they're also open for business right now. Yeah, they are. (laughs) So in my um, public worship class, we read an article about all of the different epidemics and pandemics and how the church has responded and so one of like these common threads especially the the early early church was this concept of um martyrdom and people continuing to show up in churches because they had the belief in the afterlife that they die for the glory of god and continuing to meet and serve other people, and that's their way into heaven. And there's also a reflection about how some, I think he's either Italian or Irish, um, a priest who was serving somewhere, it may have been Liberia, And so the article paints him as a savior who didn't want to close his doors and instead he continued to serve people. And one of the comments was, yeah, this is great, but what type of message does this send to other Christian leaders about what they should be doing during pandemics? I think it gets real confusing we want to serve people but we don't think we don't think it through all the way like even some of the some of my classmates who have been talking about the ways in which they're serving the church they're only thinking about today and tomorrow but they're not thinking months from now where there may be a need, but they're not going about the right way. So what I hear her saying is, we want to keep worshiping together. We want to keep being a community. Um, 
we want to keep praying. We, we want to keep doing this, but clearly hasn't thought about the impact down the road when that one person contracts it and then all of a sudden 10 people have it and then it spreads. That's what worries me about her and like other pastors and people who continue to operate in a sense of we still need to still need to keep meeting because we're not afraid of death. And I feel like the continued meeting is not because I'm, I'm trying to dial it back a little bit and show some grace. I think what I love about Mercy, which is Isaiah's church, is, is the service that that they're doing, right? And the purpose behind it. And that feels very different from what I'm hearing her say, which is really, really feels sort of Sunday morning or maybe, maybe a Bible study centered versus the sort of truly following the Jesus model of serving others in, in community, right? And, and to me, those become two different things. If we're trying to brainstorm how the, the church, the brick and mortar building, if the question is, how can this brick and mortar building be of service while we are all in crisis, that is one conversation. And I don't feel like that's a conversation she's having. But maybe I'm misinterpreting. So, so Madam Pastor, sh- you know, should I get this wrong? Please correct me. But what I, what, I, what I was hearing from that is like, no, no, no. At bottom, we have a responsibility as faithful Christians to sit up in this sanctuary together on Sunday morning and sit close to one another and potentially pass each other a virus for the sake of saying we didn't, air quotes, forsake the meeting. And those are two very different things. And I think when we think critically about who God is, especially through the example of Jesus Christ, it seems like the former makes sense, but the latter really doesn't. Isaiah, I'm really open to you spewing some grace because I feel like you are the level-headed one in the Under God, Under God podcast. So, <laughs> Whoops, sorry. I don't know. I don't know about all that. Like, well, yeah, like I keep trying to find an out for her, right? Because... Uh, because I, I don't want to make assumptions that she's going to take this completely not seriously. But at the same time, I, I don't know that I have that optimism, actually. Right? Because, again, like, you know, what if, um, you know, it would be one thing if she kept her church open and she had, like, every family sit zigzag across from each other something like that you know like in little pods like you could keep a church open that way and I'm guessing that's probably not what she's talking about though and that's where it feels like there's a you know struggle um like because you know when she when she says like it's not my job to keep my church members alive you're right like she's absolutely pulling from this idea of of martyrdom and that i think is one that at times like yeah that's that's part of the christian tradition and it is helpful to remember 
you know, she's she's trying to like argue against prosperity gospel preachers, which I think, you know, she talks about like health, wealth and prosperity. Right. And like, yeah, you should close your door. But if you're here, if you're if you're coming here for Jesus and not just to get something right, then those churches should stay open. Right. So that's 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 the dichotomy that she sets up. There are the people who are prosperity church gospel churches. And then there are churches that are here for Jesus and the churches that are here for, for Jesus need to um, accept the possibility of martyrdom. Right. And that could be a really powerful message were it not for what you're talking about and what, what DJ was pointing out so beautifully was that like, you know, the likelihood that she, unless she has a, an underlying medical condition, is not signing herself up for martyrdom, right? She's signing up her elders for martyrdom, and that feels very different. Um, she's signing up the people who are already um, vulnerable for martyrdom and not necessarily herself. And that's not gospel, I would say. Um, and and in fact, I mean, it's it's ironic to a certain extent because, um, it, interestingly, uh, in the in the early church, um, there was a problem with martyrdom. Like people were very excited to get themselves killed for Jesus, like in a way that was just very not helpful, right? You don't want because at that point Christianity becomes a suicide cult, and that's not like. Like I think it's it's helpful to be reading um, John eleven right now and thinking about um, Lazarus because Jesus brings people to life. Jesus doesn't call people to die for Jesus. Like if you end up like on like we're talking about big life, right? And so sometimes what that means is that yes, you know, in pursuing in pursuing the love of of god in pursuing uh fundamental um if you are pursuing this life that refuses to capitulate to the powers of the world that can get you killed that's what got jesus killed right and yet jesus call is not um simply to get killed <laughs> um and so like <laughs> there's this real pushback particularly like in the in the um third and fourth centuries and um where you know people are running around sometimes setting themselves on fire sometimes like just turning themselves into the local authorities and really just asking to, you know, asking to be mauled by lions or whatever, because they're like, this is, this is being a legit Christian. I'm going to be, a, I'm going to die a martyr. Everybody's going to know my name. And there are all these like writers who are saying, no, like, like, that's not right. That's not actually even about Jesus at that point. That's about, you proving yourself that's that's not that's not for jesus 
And so I, I feel like even in the midst of her kind of laying claim to the tradition of martyrdom, she ends up mishandling it um, because she's, she's, because our God brings life and wants and seeks life and sometimes seeks life in the face of death and you know the results of those those things aren't pretty but but that's never the goal or that's never the um that's not something to be disregarded or taken lightly particularly when when acting on behalf of of those around you so i don't know i know jackie you said that i should uh be the one to bring grace in this situation and it- and you did that was incredibly graceful your tone was excellent i felt compassion there i mean it was phenomenal okay cool god bless you well because i i believe that she is i want to believe that she wants to follow christ right like that she's not just in it to make herself look good mm-hmm. um and that she's got a misunderstanding about what that actually means uh and what the stakes are not just for her but for the people who are listening to her and i think that as as jackie was saying like there are some fundamental misunderstandings about what those things are and so yeah you're gonna come to some different conclusions and those conclusions can be deadly to the folks around you. So. Yeah. Amen. That was a Holy Ghost filled read and I loved it. <laughs> well, thank you. CG, who do you, do you have anyone to shout out? I just want to continue to shout out those who are at the front lines of all of this from our doctors, nurses, people who work in the reception to um, all of our food service providers. I've been overutilizing DoorDash and part of me wants to do that to make sure and the people who are allowing that continue to have that as a source of income. Um, it's gotten out of hand, and I should probably reel back because I haven't actually cooked anything in like a week. But yeah, shout out to y'all. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people to shout out. Um, teachers, parents that are understanding now the frustrations of teachers, students who are just trying to make it yeah shout out to everybody who's giving grace to people in this season because we need it here here um of course i want to shout out to my fellow public defenders and folks who are working around the clock um community organizers prison abolitionists um people who have family members friends loved ones who are incarcerated and they're worried sick the, the practice of law um, has shifted drastically over the last couple of weeks. And we, my community, the legal community, a lot of folks are, are working double time to try to like even get 
a modicum of the option of maybe kind of sort of one day getting a client out. Um, and I feel like it, we are, we fight hard all the time and we are sort of doubling and tripling down now. So I definitely want to shout out those folks. Um, just in any of those criminal justice reform realms who are working really, really hard and pastors who are doing their very best to um, keep themselves sane and their families sane while also trying to cover so many people who are um, terrified, right? And shout out to all the therapists who are willing to take people without insurance right now or willing to take people who can't pay the copay right because of a loss of job like and honestly shout out to all the people who have a birthday during the season um my sister and my best friends have birthdays and you know i feel like the aries community are <laughs> they're a rough bunch and uh you know they don't take too kindly to not being able to kick it how they want to but <laughs> shout out to you guys um for making it through and for trying to put on a smile um you know i do i do think that better days are coming but I just want to, I want to honor you guys for not risking everyone's health for the sake of kicking it for your birthday. Yeah. Um, I want to shout out to all the like folks who have been making mutual aid um, networks, kind of trying to build those, strengthen those, get people the resources that they need, redistribute money, get people access to meds if they need them um offering to pay you folks bills or at least part of their bills that kind of thing um a a shout out to um (laughs) all the bougie shops that that had to close and donated us their delicious foods like suddenly like i don't think um anybody was seeing the day coming when pont city market was going to close before mercy did um but we got all of their delicious tiny quiches. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I should put that in there, but it's true. Uh, we had some good coffee because we got 40 gallons of uh, whole milk and we put it in there. So now we have just 10 gallon cappuccinos. Um, and it's great. We go through 40 gallons of cappuccino a day because of they gave us so much whole milk. It's two fridges worth of whole milk. Um, yeah, but in all seriousness, like, it's one of these really weird things where on the one hand, you see all of, all of this hoarding going on throughout, you know, stores, that kind of thing. Um, and you, and you see a lot of places restricting access even further for, for you know, folks who are, who are living on the street, who are, who are, who need a place to gather and just be and not, um, be under scrutiny and those places are getting fewer and farther in between. Um, and that sucks. And on the other hand, like, shout out to them for like rolling with the punches and figuring it out and supporting one another and, you know, making our community happen anyway, you know, and like looking out for each other. Um, and like, 
shout out to all the people who are like dealing with mental health stuff right now like it is even harder whenever you're in a crisis to be trying to deal with that it only makes things worse everybody is dealing with mental health right now but especially folks who are living with various diagnoses it is only harder folks who are coping with their addictions it is only harder um if you're if you're you know if you need a meeting to get through your day or get through your week that's that's getting harder um so shout out to folks who are stepping up to um to connect with with those of us who need that who need that kind of support now especially now in addition to always um because this is a revelation this is showing us how things always were and what we need to do to support each other to get through because yeah the crisis of now is that our social systems are in desperate need of repair if we're gonna make it out alive and you know the flip side of that is that there are a lot of people who are working really really hard to make that happen so anyhow i think on that note we should hit we should hit the under god benediction all right crystal do you want to add anything to it y'all got it (laughs) (laughs) okay so go live as free people oh baby and keep the faith baby amen amen